That was too much. Devin, Pastor Devin is my friend. Bishop Wallace is my friend too. And this is not one of those BFF things that preachers say. If you notice, we all have BFFs, like from all around the world. And everybody that preaches for us becomes our BFFs and our best friends. But um, that this church, and the, they have been... They've been more than friends. I can't even tell you because they say girl preachers cry, and I'm not here to prove that right. Um, they've been more than friends. They're literally um, sometimes the closest thing I have to family, and I just want to say thank you. Um, because you know what I learned today? I didn't learn it today, but I was reminded that... Um, Ingratitude can bring a curse on you. Yeah. A woman of God said that today. You see, we, got, we get the whole fornication thing. We got that down. <laughs> and we're like, we're not going to hell for that. Mm-mm. But what about that nasty disloyalty thing? What about that, that um, when God puts somebody in your life to drag you out of a pit? And when you're out of the pit, you forget the day that they reached down and grabbed you by the hand and pulled you out of the pit. What about that thing? So I just want to say thank you. And I love you. My, my, this house is full of friends. I'm so excited. Um, please sit. <laughs> I, do, I, I do not deserve the honor, really, of being on such a wet stage. I mean, I feel like saying what you know about rolling down in the deep. <laughs> That's the only line of that whole song I know. The only line. That's the truth. Before you guys put me on Instagram and say bad things about me. But it feels like <laughs> literally walking on the bed of the sea right now. To all those of you who watch Women of Fire online, I don't know where to look to find you, but I just want to say welcome. God bless you. Thank you guys for being in here. The word, I'm going to be faithful to one thing today. And it's to be faithful to what he told me today. Because I was not prepared to preach today. I was prepared to preach tomorrow. And this is exactly 100% how this thing went down, okay? So you got to hear. And I've got to give you a little preface so that you understand that this is God. And that you pay attention. Today, right after we had lunch... I went to the table where all the beautiful servers, the women of God who served us lunch were standing and I was complimenting their hair. And some server somewhere can say amen. Okay, because you were there and I, that's what I was doing. That's all I was doing. And, um, and I said to them, I said, I'm going to preach tomorrow. But have you ever heard a really good joke that was told really badly? So it's a really good joke, but somebody just bummed on the punchline like they just killed it and it was bad. I said, what I don't want to do is have, you know, Pastor Devin come and give you the weight of the word. And then I put a real crummy bow on the top of it and send you home. <laughs> and um, that's not because I wasn't confident that God would give me the word, but I know what God is about to do through her. 
I'm not just confident about it because she's my buddy. I'm confident about it because the Lord put fire in her bones. And I knew, and I know that this, she is one, the mother of this house, but she is the one that God birthed woman of fire through. And so it, I was reluctant because I, I, I was just speaking this to them. I never, I was telling Fanny, uh, my amazing, amazing friend right here who she's, you, if you guys don't know Fanny, just look for the girl who's always running by my side like this. That's Fanny. Elle parle français. She teaches French to my school. And um, she, I told her, I said, what was I doing? I would never discuss stuff like that with anybody but the pastors. I would never tell them I am unafraid, you know, I, I'm not feeling comfortable about being the last deliverer. But at that moment when I'm speaking that to them, Pastor Devin walks up to me in the lunchroom and she says, excuse me, somebody just said to me um, that this gift, okay, listen, nobody left the counter to go to the other side of the room to talk to her, that this is a present from God, a gift from God that I need to put a bow on. <laughs> that happened. And I thought, oh boy, wow, Lord, this is great. So I said, what are you going to do about that? She said, you're going to preach tonight. And I said, what? <laughs> I'm going to what? <laughs> and so I said goodbye hastily to everybody and ran to the house to try to, to figure out what God was going to say to me because I intended to travail all night, you know? That's how I was going to deliver this word and travail all night long because that's how we women do it, right? And uh, that didn't happen. So this was a quick delivered baby because it's not. <laughs> no, I sat on the porch today and I said, Lord, if you did this, you know exactly why you're going to do it. And I'm telling you immediately, it was a, a uh, I can't even explain it. It was like drinking through a fire hose about what God said today and he said how to prepare for the final wave how I'm this is not about sensation and I need you to hear my heart today this is not about the shout you may but this is not about that this is about what God is saying I, he sent me here to put a lid on a box that is going to be presented to you he put me here to to fill a box that he said that we need to receive because we can't want the last revival unless we know how to swim, unless we know how to survive a tsunami. You see, God gave this woman of God a word and the word was a tsunami is coming, right? And we're all like, have you ever been in one? <laughs> no, the answer is no, because you wouldn't be here. But whoa, send it, Lord. No, Lord, hold up one second. Because just in case we're not prepared, we're going down. I love you. But I'm going to tell you because God sent me here to tell you how to prepare for a tsunami. How to prepare for what's about to come. And where he took me to is surprising to me. And I, I, but it's just like my Abba. So will you stand? In 2012, when Hurricane Sandy hit New York, I was about to leave New York and go with my husband and church on a trip. And my husband said these words to me. He said, the floods may come, so get everything that is valuable to you and put it upstairs. We wouldn't be home if the flood hit, but get what's valuable and take it upstairs. So girls, I did it. I went down to my closet and got all my shoes. 
not a lie, truth of the Lord today. I lost every eight feet of water, filled my house, but not a shoe died that day. Funny story, but true story. When I measured everything I had, I mean, the shoes were my favorite. I was like, you're going upstairs, shoes on my dog. I didn't have a puppy then, but I would have saved the puppy. Not a shoe died. Why? Because I took it to higher ground. I put it in a higher place where the water couldn't touch it. And... um. You're, my, you're like, but Pastor Sharo, it's a tsunami of revival. We want to be in it. Honey. We got to get ready. We gotta, I hear the Lord saying, this is the last one, and we got to get ready. This is the last one. This is the one. This is the wipeout one. This is the one when our Savior, like she said tonight, when he makes his return. I'm telling you, this is our final warning. Impact is about to happen on the earth. And those who are not ready, you see, we think God is coming to wipe out all the sinners. But we all know judgment begins somewhere else. Ezekiel chapter 47 verses 1 to 6 is where he took me. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. This is a house of miracles. This is from the New Living Translation, Ezekiel 47, 1 to 6. If you want to find it and put it up there so I could have big words like everybody else. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple. I need you to hear. You just declared something over your own house. You declared something over this house. And then you declared something over the temple of the Holy Ghost. So now God is going to continue that thought for you and finish it. He said, there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side. Hey, that's where I'm from. <laughs> Only New Yorkers get that. South side in the house. Okay. <laughs> Measuring as he went. Now I need you to hear this measuring as he went. In other words, every time the water comes gushing out from under the door of the temple, he measures. He measures. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet. And then he led me across. The water was up to my ankles. You know this. We sing it. We taught it. Everybody's preached it. I preached it like 65 times already. But not this way. This time... He measured off another 1750 and he led me across again. And this time the water was up to my knees. After another 1750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1750 and the river was too deep to walk across. It's a deep river. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. This is deeper than the valley of the shadow of death, brethren. You see, you planning to walk through that? You planning to take a walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but that this word says that this water is too deep to walk through. So how good is your walking going to be if you can't walk through it? No, really, we gotta, you got to want to be prepared or you don't want to, you know. It was 
deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. So he asked me, and this is the word of God. He said, have you been watching, son of man? This is what God sent me to ask you. Have you been watching? Have you been watching? Oh, I know you've been singing. I know you've been worshiping. I know you've been giving. I know you've been faithful, but have you been watching? Because isn't that what he said to do? He said, I'm about to go there, but you stay here, watch and pray lest. Watch, have you been? That's the question God has for you. He says, you're doing all the other things, but have you been watching? Have you been watching, son of man? And then he led me back along the riverbank. Father, I'm your vessel. And I call you faithful. You are faithful. I'll deliver it like you said it because you are faithful. Father, this is your moment. This is your time. This is your people. This is your house. This is your tsunami. This is your move, God. You do it. You do it. I can't do this, but you can. In Jesus' name, amen before you this wouldn't be a Pentecostal kind of evangelical kind of whatever we call these things now I have no idea I don't know anybody and I don't know names for things people tell me all the time sit please thank you I don't even know the church way to say you may have your seats so I say things like sit please but I know what I have in my belly is heavy, and I know I've got to get it out to you. So this is what, uh, first of all, it wouldn't be a Pentecostal experience if you didn't get to tell your neighbor something. When I moved to the United States of America, I realized that the only thing you needed to know how to preach is to say, look at your neighbor and say. Because once you do that process, you're in. You got it. So right now, you look at your neighbor and say, have you been watching? See how good that is? You get responses. There are the odd few that are like, you can't make me say nothing. Guess what? I'm used to you. I'm from New York. I get it. But have you been watching? I want to tell you how that is said in Hebrew. And it may mean something different to somebody. And you're going to say it to your neighbor. In Hebrew, it's bin, right? Bin Adam, which means son of Adam. He says, bin Adam ra'ah. Son of Adam, are you watching? I need you to hear this. The same God that broke up the deep when he destroyed the earth, the same God that made the tectonic plate shift and the water that was contained underneath the plates come gushing out to flood the entire earth. You see that God? The same God that breathed, that kissed Adam and life, the Ruach of God that we heard about today came into his lungs and Adam became a living soul. That God, the same God who created Adam in his own image and likeness looks today at us and says, Ben Adam, Ra'a. So I'm here to ask you, you know, you ask your neighbor, would you look at your neighbor right now and say, Ben Adam, Ra'a. Now answer. Oh, Pastor Kevin said, see. Sí. Espanol. We see all the things. Huh? But do you know what ra'a means? It, when it says, are you watching? It doesn't just mean, are you looking at the water coming out from the sides of the temple? It means, listen to this, it means, ra'a means, do you have vision? Yes. 
It means, do you have discernment? And it means, have you given attention to? And the last thing, he says, look at each other. That is literally the meaning of ra'ah. So it says, son of Adam, are you looking? Are you paying attention? Are you watching what's happening? Are you looking at each other? Because if you are not watching, you know what Jesus said to the disciples? He said, it's something that you know how to discern the weather. And you know when a storm is coming. But you can't even tell when the end of the age is near. But I want to know, do you know when a tsunami is coming? Do you know? how much warning you have not very much but have you been watching that our world now is suffering from a pandemic none of us have ever lived through one of those before but there is a greater pandemic than the one that has poisoned our bloodstreams and affected our lungs. There is a greater pandemic in the earth called a pandemic of fear and a pandemic of doubt. There is a greater pandemic in the earth that the devil has devised to cripple the church of Almighty God in this last day. I'm here to tell you that, that God is saying to somebody, Ben Adam, son of Adam, are you watching? The last thing he says when he goes to heaven, you know what he tells the disciples? He says, watch, watch, pray, because no man knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man will make his appearance. So, you know what? I said, Lord, I want to prepare for this. And somebody, I've never seen a church like this. <laughs> Let me tell you what I asked this church to give me. I said, can somebody give me a floaty? I want to do an illustrated sermon today. I need a blow-up floaty. I get a surfboard, a scuba suit, a snorkel. I get a tank. I get flippers. What kind of church is this? I love it. And hear what they call me and said, Pastor Shara, what size wetsuit do you wear? I said, honey, I don't wear wetsuits. We're trying to bring revival. <laughs> We're not trying to bring revival. I love this church. If I wasn't the pastor of my own, I'd probably be right here. Not probably, but don't tell anybody. I got some people here tonight. Let me tell you what's going on. There is a temple and Ezekiel is, is in the presence of the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord says on the sides of the temple are the four doors. But I, wanna, I want you to look at what's coming out from underneath the doors, the threshold of the temple. You got to hear this. Any revival that doesn't center underneath, around, at the feet and through Jesus Christ who is the door. Listen, is a fake revival. Oh, we're waiting for a tsunami, but there is a possibility that we're just waiting for another wave. I'm telling you, if it does not come through the door itself, it is not a real revival. If it is based on music, if it is based on the way I feel, if it is based on the next thing that catches me up, it is not a real revival. Real revival comes only through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the door. It must be all around Jesus. Nobody might know where the miracle came from. Somebody's got to hear me. You're going to be healed while you sit in your seat. You're going to be healed before anybody has a chance to put a thumb on you. You're going to say, 
You know why you're going to be delivered? Not because somebody with the great glory of God on them says right now in the name of Jesus, come on. The devil is going to be scared. You don't understand. There is a terrified Satan. There is a terrified Satan who smells something in the atmosphere that unfortunately a sleeping church cannot smell. There is You say, Pastor, I ain't sleeping. Well, according to the word of God, we're all. There are ten virgins. Oh, they got on the garment, don't they? They're wearing the white, but five are asleep. Is that true? No, they're all asleep. Water, not water that is not coming out without from the door is fake revival. I'm gonna go fast because there's plenty. You know what? This is if you ever studied the great revivals and the great awakenings, this would get your this would float your boat. See how see how I did the whole water thing? I'm clever like that. Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, too deep to walk through. I heard the Spirit of the Lord say every time the Spirit of the Lord, every time the Spirit of the Lord breaks open, He is the breaker. Didn't we hear that this week, this weekend? Every time the Spirit of the Lord breaks through from the temple and flows to the outside into the world, there is a revival. There is not just a revival, there is an awakening. So I went back and I checked, you know, the holy um, Wikipedia. Some people say there were 10 great awakenings. Some people say there were six. Theologians differ about how many there were. But most of, most of the consensus, especially if you want to know if it was a real revival or not, ask the heathen. Oh, don't ask the church. We qualify everything we like as a revival. Let's talk about it for a second. Oh, Granny Annie over there got healed. A revival. Uh-uh, uh-uh. If you want to know if the church was in revival, ask the sinner if he came weeping to the altar. If you want to know that the church was in revival, ask the devil if he couldn't come within 10 miles of our building. If you want to know that we were in revival, how many people did we throw at the altar? And they all got up and walked out healed. God said there is a final wave. There is a tsunami coming, a wave, a revival. 1730 to 17, around mid-1700s. The Whitfield, you guys know? Some of you say Whitefield. Great awakening. But guess what? Ankle deep. How could that be ankle deep? We've never seen anything like that. Ankle deep. My God just gets better and better. You understand? He's not a regressive God. No, 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 no. He is always taking us up to another level. It is always. I need somebody to hear this in their spirit. The Holy Spirit himself will testify to you about what I'm trying to tell you right now. I thought it was really clever that it was 1,750 feet. To you, that's just a coincidence. I don't believe in those things. The first great recorded awakening is in 17, in the 17th, no, hello. You take it, I'm taking it how I want. 1800s, another great awakening. You know the 1850s, everybody knows Dwight L. Moody and, and that. And everybody knows the 1960s, 1970s, the Jesus movement and the, you know. And 
I believe in those times there were the rushing of waters, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and water you had to swim in. And, and, but this is what I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying. He said, have you been watching, son of man? Ben Adam, Ra'ah, Ben Adam, Ra'ah, I need somebody to hear this. He says, watch and pray. Have you discerned? There are wars, there are religious persecutions. There's, is your vision okay? Oh, I love the church in America because we whistle through the cemeteries. Is that a thing here? In Trinidad, when you're scared to death and you're walking through the cemetery as a child, you just whistle. Because that means that, you know, you're less afraid. But I've been in America for about 25 years. And the America that I'm in now is not the America I came to when I first came here. You understand? It is different. And we want to pretend that it's okay while we sit down and have church and pretend like there is a, a, a tsunami. Guys, God is getting ready to send it. But it's not going to be for us like we think it's going to be for us. We will either get prepared, get ready, and ride the biggest wave of revival the earth has ever seen. Or it will destroy us are you prepared for a tsunami of revival how do you prepare for something like that let me tell you how the church usually prepares for revival man Oh, it's going to be fun. And we're going to get drunk. I'm not talking about alcohol. I'm talking about in the spirit. But pastor, they suppose that we were drunk. But revival ain't about being drunk, honey. Uh, all right, this is how he said it to my spirit. He said, Charo, you can't sip from a tsunami. I'll say it again. <clears throat> you can't sip from a tsunami. But that's what we think revival is. When we get super happy. When we can be with somebody that we, we, we care about and be so snockered out that we don't know left from right, up from down. And honey, that is a side effect of being tossed about by a tsunami. Yeah, when you're in a tsunami, you're going to tumble like a rag doll. When you're in a sin, but trust me, drunk ain't on your mind. You're way past drunk. Drunk was when it first was coming, and you didn't know which way to run. But right now, you're tumped. Mm. I don't think we understand the magnitude of what God put in that baby lady's belly. I don't think we understand what God is saying. He's saying, you're asking me for a revival. No, I cannot send one. That was less than the last one. And this one is going to be the final one. But we can't prepare for it like we used to prepare for it. We want it to be this way. It will fill our churches. It will. Because there's joy. And there's speaking in other tongues. And there's that feeling of weightlessness. And all the worry disappears. And, and, and we, uh, it's like my Thai revival. That's a vodka. What kind of glass is that? Martin, oh, why do you know that? 
a revival, a real tsunami will tumble you. I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. We don't have pretty beaches in Trinidad. We have pretty beaches in Tobago. But in Trinidad, you got surf beaches, right? We got big waves over there. And if you want to go to a real beach where you could get really tumbled, you go to a place named Mayaro. And when you go there, you have to be a certain kind of crazy to get in the water. Because you will not be on your feet for very long. They have some waves that are maybe 15 to 20 feet. And you go in there and one wave, let me tell you, you get so disoriented that when you get up, all you want to do is find solid ground and run as far away as you can get. Most of us can't get ourselves to pray for an hour, but we think that we're ready for a tsunami that's going to not only knock the wind out of us, but it's going to beg us. Gonna have us begging for bread, begging for stability, begging for normal. How do you know that the church is in revival? Not because we get super happy, it's because we get desperate for breath. Didn't he say that today? We get desperate for breath. Oh, Spirit of God, breathe again. It's not enough to be where we are doing what we were doing. We need a new breath of God. In fact, you get so desperate. You don't care which way is up or down. You just need to catch a breath. That's how you know you're in a tsunami. It'll knock you around and make you feel like your insides are coming out. Knock the life out of you. Take control of your whole life. A little more Jesus ain't going to cut it. That's not a tsunami. That's a drizzle. We're asking for a tsunami. It's a whole lot more of Jesus. I saw him today as we were driving down here. I was looking up at the mountains and I heard from the songs of Solomon. I see the one that I love and I saw him moving like a flash of light all the way around those mountains. And I didn't need to see anybody else in that moment because I heard him say, come up here, come up bride, come up higher. So that's how the church prepares one. We get cuter things, happier things, bigger things, more seats. Which there's nothing wrong in preparing for an influx of souls. Because you know what happens? After a tsunami, bodies. Bodies float up. Not all churches do that. Let me share what most of us do. Come on, Pastor Kevin, preach me into revival. I'm ready. I'm ready. We're equipped. Why? Because we got a little bit of little bit of breath. He's the wind beneath your wings. <laughs> Jesus don't want to be the wind beneath nobody's wings, brother. He didn't come here to be the wind beneath your wings. You ever heard about above, below, before, behind, and around me? This ain't going to save you in a tsunami. If anything, you'll end up with your feet up in the air if you try to think this. And this is how we do it when we just want a little bit of the Holy Ghost. I don't need to do all of that stuff. 
off. I just want to do a small shanda over in the corner so I can get myself a healing and I will flop my I'm telling you, this ain't enough to save you from what is about to come. Pastor Sharo, revival don't destroy. Are you kidding? You know what revival is for? It's to wake up dead things. You know what revival is for? Judgment. Cleansing. Baptism. I was going to use Pastor Kevin's word. He's the one who said, shut up in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Some say, you know what, Pastor Shara? I, I know this feels like we're, talk, we're talking to, to, to just corporate entities and churches. And no, we're talking to each and every one of us. Because some of us are just content with this. No, I, I'm serious. You're not going to survive with this. And I need you to hear this. In this last day move of the Holy Ghost, you're going to need more Ruach than that. You're going to need more flotation than that. And some people are like, I got this. I'm going to leave this right here. Oh, you got the kabod. You bring in the holy with you. You got self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. Oh, you got an extra supply when the rest of us, we fall out in the Holy Spirit when we can't handle the anointing. You got this. You got to carry around containment of the Holy Ghost called fire. Shut up in your bones. Oh, that sounds like great preaching. That ain't enough. Not for a tsunami. Scuba divers cannot. Anytime you see the word self. Anytime self has anything to do with how you survive in a move of the Holy Spirit. It is the wrong container. I need, to, I need you to hear it again. Anytime it's self-contained, it will not sustain you in the move of God that is about to hit the earth. And I need somebody to get that deep down in your spirit. Anything that we can learn well enough. Hold in our containers. Depend on, because we did it that way before. Or this is the church traditional. This is how we learned it. This is how the Lord moves. Play this beat and we will dance. So we can take him out and take a pull. When we need it. In a tsunami that won't do. You'll be desperate. You'll be torn up without a breath. So the church has really prepared for a revival in a couple of ways in the past through entertainment and self-preservation. When revival happens, we're like, yes, let us, let, let us open up. That's why I love this church. Whenever I need a refreshing, whenever I need a good old infusion, this is where I find myself, right there on that floor. I had one preacher doing one of the women of fire come and dump a whole bottle of oil on their carpet. On my foot. And I, I was so happy that it wasn't my carpet. And also that it was oil. 
The church depends on past experiences. This is history. This is not Pastor Sharo. This is how we have prepared. It's why these have not been sustained. And that's why a once alive church turns into a dead church. It's cyclical. It lives and it dies. And it lives and it dies. And it lives and it dies. And that's not the will of God. It was supposed to be sustained to the coming of God. Why? Because he is building his church. So why do we We know why dead things live. Because it hears the voice of God say, Lazarus, come forth. Hmm. But the church depends on every revival being sustained by what we did when the revival hit. If we can keep doing what we did when it first showed up, then it should logically sustain itself. But you see, that is impossible. If we manufacture what happened, and then I'm gonna say, Lord, I will say it. You will say it. Let me just say it the way he said. Miracles are an indictment. We want them. I had one this year. God healed me. This year, the doctor said I had a Thursday appointment. I told you to remove a 15 centimeter mass, and they said my cancer levels were super high. And on the day before my surgery, my doctor said, no surgery necessary, no lump is there. We can't see anything. That happened this year. So you're looking at somebody who I believe, and I walk in those every single day. I believe in this. But this is what the Lord showed me. He said miracles are an indictment against you if there's doubt. Now listen. It is an indictment against the doubt and the fear that enters us. If God gives you a miracle, that means if you turn around and doubt, if you turn around and be fearful, if you turn around and be, and you're like, well, it's just normal. It's not normal. Listen to what he said. For those of you who need scripture for this. In Matthew chapter 11, you know what he says? He says, woe to Chorazim. Woe to Bethsaida. He said, because I did all these miracles in your city. And he said, if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen what you had seen, they would have repented. You know why he said a woe to them? Because he did miracles there. Miracles did not say, I approve of you. We think it did. We think miracles are God's stamp of approval. No, miracles are God's indictment against the doubt in a city. He said it. He says, woe to you. He said in the day of judgment, Sodom and Gomorrah are going to have it better. Because if they had seen what you have seen, they would have repented. Church, this is a house of miracles. That means doubt has to go. Doubt will make you sink when the water levels rise. But there has to be somebody in here that says, I've seen him do it before. I've seen God heal before and that is enough for me to know that he can do it again when doubt comes it's not just a thing in your mind oh miracles are an indictment against doubt in your life Are you prepared? I believe what God is about to do here. Can you put up that, that um, graphic with the wave that everybody had? I like it.
A tsunami is not for surfing. Pastor, I'm equipped. No, you're not. Yet. See, when I went to Hawaii, I got to go there. It was great. I had this really, really great feeling that I could surf. <laughs> I'm from the Caribbean. Everybody knows that if you're from the Caribbean, you can surf. So I did a really weird thing. I went into like 40 feet of water with a surf instructor and a surfboard. And it took about one second off of that board for me to realize, wait, I can't surf. Because he said something. He said, don't get on until the wave comes. I was like, you want me to get on the board when the water is actually moving? He's like, that's the only way it's going to carry you out. I'm like, okay. And I, then he showed me how. I will not demonstrate. It is not pretty. So you know what? If anything, I'm the world's best trier. So I said, I'm going to get on that board. And so he said, okay, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm in 40 feet of water. And suddenly, Pastor Kev, you know what I realized? I'm not as good a swimmer as I think. The whole time I'm thinking, Dev, I got this. I know how to navigate in deep waters. I, I know about deep. You know how many times I almost drowned? We know how to be in the deep. I can survive. But all of a sudden, when the waves started coming, I realized I'm not prepared for what is about to hit me. So I, I wait, though, because I'm going to be brave about it. And I put my hands on there, and I get ready. Doris, you remember this day? And, and this wave is coming, and I jump on that board, and I get up like this, and I can hear the da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm just, nothing like that happened. In my mind, that's what happened. But what actually happened was the wave came and I flung my leg over the board and crept up there, shaking like a leaf, and stood up like this and wiped right out. My life flashed before my eyes. And I, I'm here to tell you that the tsunami that is about to come, the revival tsunami. I, oh, yes, Lord, say it later. The revival that is about to come is here to wipe sin out. It is not here to bring you miracles. Those are side effects. Miracles will happen. Jesus didn't come here to do miracles. He came here to wipe sin out. He came here to eradicate the kingdom of darkness. He came here to give you access into the throne room of Almighty God. He came to reconcile you back to your Abba Father. He came to take the devil and smash his head into the ground. Because that was a promise that Ben Adam had. That the son, the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. That's why he came. A tsunami will wipe out sin. But brother, I was asking myself, I'm going to talk to him. You know what I was asking myself? If this tsunami of revival that's coming wipes out sin, how much of the church will remain? No, really. If all sin is going to get wiped out by the new revival, will there be a church left? No amens anymore. Because 
God's like, Ben Adam Ra'ah, are you watching? You see, we love and appreciate our Abba who gave us mercy. But judgment begins in the house of the Lord. If the sinner won't survive the revival, if the sinner, and I say, and I'm going to show you that in a second, doesn't survive this, if dead things must come to life, if the tsunami of holiness, it is tsunami of righteousness. It is not just a tsunami of revival. It is a tsunami of righteousness, not by word only, but by deed. The church for too long has been leaning on grace and as, a, as an excuse to live unrighteously. But hear the word of the Lord. The tsunami of righteousness is about to overtake the earth once more. Is the church going to survive it? We're calling for a revival, but everything with sin will be decimated. How many of us in here would survive? How many of us would actually survive? If God says, the wave of righteousness shall sweep the earth, for I am a God of justice and of judgment. Yes, I am a God of mercy. Yes, he forgives. Yes, a contrite spirit, a broken heart, he will in no wise cast out. But have no doubts about it, that he is also the redeeming, the holy one. He said, be holy as I am holy. That is the prerequisite. It is still our standard. The prophet said there is water, but it's for swimmers only. I can spot a swimmer. It's a secret. I'm going to give you guys this tropical secret. You ready? I took my kids to um, Splish Splash one day, and this one kid said, I didn't know him very well, but he said, I said, can you swim? And he said, yeah, I can swim. Oh, he's in your youth group too. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I can swim. So I was like, are you sure you can swim? He's like, yeah. He said he's going on that big slide. I said, good, but make sure you can swim. He's like, oh, I can swim. Of course, he goes down the slide and starts to drown and embarrasses us all when the lifeguard has to jump in and save his six foot two <laughs> self. Why? Because when you can't swim, it's a shame. You're scared to tell people, I can't swim. So we're sitting in the church acting like we know how to tread water. Acting like we're used to being in the Holy Ghost. In fact, we know how the swimmers do. We can make all the right motions when there ain't no water around. We know all the calisthenics of staying afloat. But do we? I ain't no help. That's what Pastor Kevin says. You know how to know if people can actually swim or not? Only non-swimmers ask, how deep is the water? How crazy is woman of fire? How weird is that revival going to? How crazy is that little one singing up there like that? Only non-swimmers care how deep the water is. I want you to hear it over there in that corner over there. If you can swim, you don't ask how deep the water is. If you can handle your own in the water, you don't care. Swimmers ask different kinds of questions. We ask things like, how strong is the current? 
You know what else we ask? We ask what's underneath that water. In other words, where is this revival coming from? What's at the bottom of this? Is there a rock at the bottom of this water? Tell me what's in the water. We don't care how deep it is. In fact, the deeper it is, let me at it. I'll take a running sprint and I'll jump head first. The deeper, the better. Only those who can't swim question the deep, but the depths don't bother me. Don't question the depths. So that's how I know swimmers. But that's also how I know those who are open to the moving of the Holy Ghost in a different way. Uh, for God to say, let me do a new thing among you. For God to say, let me use you, Eshekail. Let me use you, warrior daughter, woman of God. Let me call you to do a thing that was never done before. You don't say, wait a minute, what is it going to cost me? How much am I going to lose? How scared am I going to be? So how do I prepare? One. Benadam ra'a. That's the first way you prepare. Yeah. Watch and pray. Have vision, have discernment, pay attention and look at each other. Look at each other. My dad is a swimmer, he was a fisherman and this is what he said. He said if ever you're in trouble in the water, find somebody. Don't hold them. Look for them. He said, keep your eye on whoever is on, in the water with you. Do not grab them. You will cause them to fall. You'll cause them to drown. But keep your eyes on somebody else all the time. That's why where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. To bless you, got to understand this. When I look at you, worship, it's not because, I, you know, I, I want to be like you one day. No, 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 no. If you're swimming in the deep, then I want to get in the deep where you are. If I, if I feel the presence of God moving there honey I'm waiting over in your direction you might not be understanding what you're doing to me but some of us have learned to swim just by watching other people swim some of us garner the kind of boldness to do what God has called us to do by watching other people be bold I am a 100% plagiarizer of RTTN. <laughs> in fact, I was about to make a t-shirt that said, shut up in the name of Jesus squared. <laughs> Watch and pray. Ben Adam or Ah. People, please open your eyes. As Christians, we're not supposed to be divided. We're not supposed to be confused. The issues are not supposed to confuffle us and cause us to be, to be blindsided. We know whose side we're on. We know where we stand in this particular debate. We know whose side we're standing for. Honey, it ain't red and it ain't blue. It's all about the king of kings. It's all about the one to whom we owe our fidelity, our loyalty. I say, Abba, how are we going to swim in a tsunami? You're sending a revival that's going to overwhelm this earth. You know, it's, it's the last one. I heard the Lord say the strangest things today. He, he said, every message you have ever preached, 
And I just stared at that and it said 9-11. That, that ticks me off. I just looked at the time and it said 9-11 and to you that's a coincidence but like I say I don't because if you hear what I'm about to preach now you'll get it if you hear what I'm about to say now you'll get it Lord, how are we going to survive this last tsunami that's about to come? I take you back to when the ark is about to float. The Bible says, and the springs of the earth broke open and the water flooded the earth. People are dying. The whole world is being wiped out except for those who are in the ark. But I want you to know what the Bible said the waters did. It didn't say that the waters caused the ark to float. It didn't say that the ark sailed safely on the waters. I want you to hear what it said. It said, and the waters bore up the ark. Why is that significant? Because that word to bear up is nasa. It's a very particular word. Word, the same word that says uh, that he will give his angels charge over you. <laughs> he will give his angels charge over you and they will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. To bear up doesn't just mean to raise. You know what it means? To raise and set on a place where you are inaccessible. God says, what you don't understand is that when my angels come to bear you up, it doesn't just mean to lift up or cause you to rise and float. It is to lift you up and then set you where the devil can see you, but he cannot touch you. You ain't even listening. I want to be there. If you think it wasn't worth hearing, well, the devil himself goes to my Jesus and he says, hey, throw yourself off. You ever wondered, how did Jesus get up there? You know what the Bible says? Satan took him up there. It says, and the devil took Jesus up to the pinnacle. Honey, the devil will take you to very high places. Oh, <laughs> He is very capable of exalting you way above yourself. And if he thinks he could do it to the Son of God, then he, he can do it to you. In fact, he has exalted so many believers in their own mind that men think of themselves more highly than they ought to. He said, throw yourself off because the word says that if you throw yourself off, angels have charge over you and they will pick you up. Is that the truth? Yeah. More or less. Because he kind of told Eve the truth too. But Jesus has never been in the business of doing anything the devil says to do. And we won't even go into why he didn't do it. But this is where I want to tell you about 9-11. Just in case this is my last invitation to RTD and I love all of you. Jesus said, daughter, Ezekiel saw the fourth rain. He saw the fourth wave. Because Pastor Devin says, a tsunami is not one wave, you know. No. It's wave after wave after wave after wave. And all of the culmination of the waves cause the height when it hits the barrier of the land. 
So the first awakening, and the second awakening, and the third awakening, and the fourth awakening, this one's going to be the biggest one ever. You've heard it all your life, but hear this. Jesus said, you're not going to be able to swim in it. Because according to the book of Ezekiel, number four was for swimming. I said, so how will the church survive, Abba? How will we survive this? And he said, didn't I show you? He said, you're going to walk on it? And I said, huh? <laughs> People can't walk on tsunamis, but he can. It was in the middle of a storm when they saw him coming and they said, it's an apparition. It's not him. And Peter says, Lord, call me to you. And he says, come. And Peter flings his little body off that boat and goes walking to Jesus on the storm. Jesus doesn't calm the storm, but he sure, you know, watches Peter walk on the storm. And this is what I hear God saying. He's saying, what did I tell Peter to do? And I said, come. He said, what did I tell my bride to do? And I said, oh, come. Come up. Come up. When Pastor Devin called me and said that the theme was going to be tsunami, I was like, oh boy. What am I going to do with that? I haven't seen tsunami one time in the whole Bible. I checked the concordance. I checked the Hebrew. I checked the Greek. <laughs> and then a man from my church texted me a dream. And I did not share what she said with anybody. Nobody in my church knew anything. And he said, Pastor, I had the strangest dream. And I said, okay. He sends me this long dream. And I want to thank all of you that do not call me with your dreams. <laughs> but choose instead to text me so I could read it at my own leisure. He texted this dream about two months ago. But it was only about three weeks ago, two weeks ago when I finally looked at it. It was long. And he said, Pastor, I had the strangest dream. It was about a tsunami. And I was like, What? So hear what the dream was. In the dream, there is a tsunami warning. And we are running for higher ground. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> because a tsunami will always push you to higher ground. Before the water ever hits you, you're going to get higher. That is, that is the word of the Lord, right? Because we didn't get that wave yet. I know we think we're in it right now. But trust me, if we were in it, we would be in a different kind of environment right now. It's coming. But we are already a step higher than when we walked into this building two days ago. Because the threat, the warning is enough to get those who are aware. The, the ones, the Ben Adam, the ones who are listening and looking and discerning. And who have the vision to run to a higher spot in God. He has already picked us up, elevated us to a position that the devil can cannot touch us even if he can see us that's where we are so he said he said um we're running and the first wave hits he said so we climb he said I don't see any faces but I know it's a lot of people we climb to a higher level and and in a mountain and another wave hits us and so we start climbing again, and now we're in a building, and a wave hits us. The fourth wave is coming. He said, we cannot get away from the fourth wave. We know it. And right now we're in a building, on the top of a building with a flat roof. It is the highest point at which we could go. He said, there is nowhere higher that we could attain. And up comes a man with a briefcase, a suitcase. He said, everything is wet. 
everything is soaking. There are only two dry things in the whole dream. He opens the suitcase and there is two books. One's a Bible and one's a Quran. He says that he distinctly hears my voice at that point saying, I know the Lord and I heard his voice and this is what he told me to do. He said, I take the Quran out of the, out of the, the, the suitcase and we're all on the, the roof and the, the wave is about to hit. And I start tearing the pages out of the Quran, putting it in a pan to burn it. Now, unless you come from a Middle Eastern society background or you are familiar with the Islamic faith, that is punishable by death. He said, I begin to tear the pages off the Quran and burn them one by one. But he said, as I began to burn it, they turned into pillars. He described it as pyroline biscuits. You know those pyrolines? <laughs> He's from St. Lucia. <laughs> if you're from there, you're very descriptive people. I got a very clear image. He said they began to become pillars and they began to float around the building where we were, suspended in the air. Seven of them. And he said, all of a sudden, we, we, we hunkered down because the wave was coming and it smashed into those pillars. But it did not hit us. He said, we opened our eyes to see what was going on. And he said, immediately, the roof itself of the building that we were standing on lifted off the ground and disappeared. It stayed in my spirit. It marinated in my spirit. And I said, Lord, what are you trying to say? Because over this weekend, we've heard it over and over, said again and again, that God is calling daughters and sons who are militant, who are unashamed, unafraid, bold. And we don't really know what that means. Because 9-11 was a test. And while we're worried about how many masks we can wear at the same time, and how many people are flooding your borders illegally, nobody is seeing an influx of terrorism that's landing on these shores. The Lord sent me here with the heaviest word I have ever borne in my life. That as the tsunami of revival comes, there will be a revival in Islam. I'm not trying to be heretic. Just go read the book of Revelations. Because Arabic sounds just like Hebrew. The women of Islam have been shut up for generations 
upon generations, upon generations. Because the seed of the woman was appointed to bruise the head of the serpent. They are the most oppressed people group in the world. But it is also the last. It is the counterfeit of Christianity. It is the absolute opposite. If you know about El Mahdi, he's coming. They're, they're waiting for their Messiah. They believe that he is coming on a white horse. They preach that he is coming to deliver the people of Islam. We know who that is. We saw him in the book of Revelation. Guys, you guys know this. But you're saying, Pastor, that that will stop the revival? No. I hear God saying that if the church sees it coming and does not ben adam ra'ah, we do not wake up, we do not watch, we do not get Jehu on them. And I don't mean a people group. Hmm, I got to say this so you understand it. When my father found Jesus Christ or Jesus found him, everywhere in our island there was an idol that my dad made. He went around with an axe and chopped it down. I ain't even lying. You know how many times he almost went to jail? You clapping. My mama was mad. Because he was so upset that he erected these idols, false gods that made people bow down to it. We would be driving down the road, coming home from school. He'd stop the car, open the trunk, pull out the axe, and go chop up people's property. Why? Because that idol... I have to tell you what Jehu did. That idol represented Antichrist, something that stood in direct opposition to Almighty God, to Jehovah, to Yahweh. When Jehu came in as the ruler of Israel, you know what the first thing he did? He pulled down the pillars. Somebody's got to listen to me. Pull down the pillars. But we have to learn to coexist. You want a revival? Pastor, you're inciting riots. No, that's not what this is. That is, 9-11 was a display that the enemy himself is not afraid to come against people of God. You understand? Satan is not scared of you. He's not scared of this nation. He's not scared of what we call religion. He's not scared, but you know somebody is. Because we're afraid if we say certain things, we're going to get thrown in prison. We're afraid if we say certain things, we're going to get have repercussions. So you know what we do? We sit down and cower while every freedom is taken away from you. You sit down and cower while people in the middle of the... You know what they do? I didn't feel it. 12 o'clock in the day. 3 o'clock in the day. 
in schools and in lunch times, in, in marketplaces and in malls. They're not ashamed and the pillars are being lifted up. But you and I are scared to go in our school and say, in the name of Jesus, I want to... You can't stop me from praising God. This revival is going to hit when we start tearing down the pillars of Baal. They've got to come down. If God be God, serve him. Militant. Ishad Kail, before the water, this is what I hear the Holy Spirit saying as far as that dream is concerned. He says revival will hit the earth and sin will be wiped out. But before we see the fullness of that, we're soaking wet. We're going to get in the presence of God. We're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. We're going to feel, we're going to see the miracles. But don't forget when the miracles start popping up all over, whether in six days when it begins to happen, it is an indictment against doubt. We can never afford to doubt our God again. We can never afford to say, oh, will you? We got to say, whether you do or whether you don't, we know you can. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you did it before, you'll do it again. I bow my knee to the great God, Jehovah. I bow my knee to Yahweh. And I serve notice on every demon that every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, somebody give him praise. Church, we're going to walk on the water. It's time we start making the demons tremble again. Can we do that? Kail, any warrior woman in the house? No, for real. Does the devil get scared when you walk in a room? Yes, Lord. There is a difference. One thing. I know I'm talking forever, but there is a difference between a terrorist and a warrior. You see, terrorists are posing as warriors. Terrorists are pretending to be warriors, but warriors do not murder senselessly. We fight a righteous war. Terrorists will strap a bomb to themselves and walk into a place where you could kill innocents. A warrior doesn't attack an unarmed man. Even, even in the Middle Eastern days, uh, even, you know, Jet Li and all those guys used to look at, the Shalowin, the Karate people, they would warn you. Oh, they're coming fast, but you'd get a warning. And if you didn't have a sword, they will drop their sword and beat you. But a terrorist will stab you when you ain't looking. We are not terrorists. We are warriors. We've given the devil ample warning. We're about to come down at your throat. We're about to get back into your camp because the kingdom of heaven separate violence and the violent will take it by force. We know who we serve. We know who we believe in. And we're not afraid of you. 
terrorists exclude everybody who is not of their tribe. There is no room for an outsider in a terrorist group. Warriors will welcome the broken. We feed the poor. We take care of the needy. I know the story about Alexander the Great. I don't know if you know it, but his army was mutineering against him. They were about to leave him. They were tired. They were beaten. They were outnumbered, and they were going to die, and they were going to abandon him. And in this story, uh, Alexander strips down naked, and he, he shows them his wounds. And he says, you see these scars? Everyone is on the front of me because I got these scars for you. He said, now if you got more scars for me than I got for you, turn around. And history records that every man dropped to their knees and begged him to lead them forward. My Savior kept his scars. My warrior, Jesus the greatest, kept his scars. And you know what he said? He said, you see these scars, I got them for you. And if you, my love, got more scars for me than I got for you, then by all means, go your way. But if he took the nails for you, he took the crown for you, then you deserve to stand to your feet and give him a thank you, a praise, and I will follow you all the days of my life. Come, come, singers, band. Prayer warriors. We have no clue what miracles. Watch now, watch, watch. You see walls? Walls won't hold the people. They won't hold the people. But it won't be for the miracles. The miracles will just be a side effect. It will be for the drowning. It will be because the Spirit of God is moving like a wave that destroys everything in its path. And when you need a refuge, it's just got to be getting caught up in the tsunami of itself. For those of you who say, Pastor, I don't think that chapter in Ezekiel was about revival. I want to tell you when you go home tonight, read it. Because this is how it ends. And you say, Pastor, I don't think the dream when you guys lifted off was the rapture. Go back and read it again. Ezekiel says, when the water got so deep that the angel led me back down the banks of the river. And what I saw were trees planted alongside this river. And then he said, the leaves of which... He said the leaves of which were for the healing of the nations. And then he said 12 months a year. Those leaves, those trees were bearing fruit. In the book of Revelation, I've seen that tree. I've seen the leaves that do not wither and trees that bear 12 manner of fruit every day of the year. And guess where it is? It's right on the banks of the river that flows directly out of the throne of Almighty God. By the time Ezekiel starts walking back to the temple, he's not on this earth anymore. How is it revival? 
because the water that floods deep enough to swim in, the Bible says flows into the Dead Sea. And everything that was dead. Wait, I think that's a definition of revival. Everything that was dead started to live again. Everything that was salty became fresh again. Wherever there was death, now there was life. And I'm here to speak to somebody and say that the water in this place. Oh. And behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's what the last tsunami is for. Because all things had completely passed away. When a tsunami passes, you don't recognize the terrain anymore. When he passes, he will change the face of this earth. That is what a tsunami 100% of the time will do. It changes the geography around it. We cannot remain the same if the wave hits us. But we got to know how to do it. We abandon all the things that we've known before. Lord, we're not in it for the good time. I'm not going to try to sip from the glory of God. Lord, I'm not here to contain you in myself. I can't manufacture you. I can't make you happen. I can't breathe you at my own discretion. Lord, I'm not here to ride a wave. I don't want to ride a wave. Because waves die. I want to get so caught up. Till when he's done, there's no me left. You don't survive a tsunami. There's no me left. I want to tear down the pillars of Baal. Because I ain't settling for Ishmael. He might look like Isaac, but he ain't no Isaac. I need you, church, to wake up and see that. Satan's going to try to promote Ishmael. The church itself is going to try to say, bless Ishmael. Didn't he say so? But we, we're not here for that. We're here to make way. For a wave, for a deluge. This is how I heard it today. I said, Lord, we repented of everything because we didn't want to have curses. Everybody say, amen. amen. Man, we were repenting of things we did when we were eight. Just in case it brought a curse. That was good stuff. I wrote it down just in case. So, Lord, we should be clean. We should be pure. We should be light. 
We should be able to float. We should be able to be carried away on the wave of it. We should be able to be able to, to not be hindered by the weights that so easily beset us like doubt and fear and all the things that we walked into this conference with. We should have left those things a long time ago, but some of us just left it at the door and we're going to pick it up on our way home. Some of us won't even pick it up tomorrow. We'll pick it up tonight because you'll go home and that leftover is going to poke you again. And Satan's going to say your healing didn't actually happen. But God is saying that your miracle that happened tonight is an indictment against doubt in your life. It is an indictment in you. We are not allowed that anymore. So on the first, I'm gonna, we're going to do it in waves tonight. And I, okay, she just told me, go ahead. So if, the, if your, your prayer, prayer team will just come to the front and face that way. We're going to do it in waves tonight. Pastor Devin spoke it. The woman of God sang it. The Holy Spirit confirmed it over and over and over again. I need you to know that healing is not the tsunami. It's the side effect of a tsunami. It's the, it's the, in Trinidad we would say voucher, uh, but I don't know how you say, it's the, it's the, um, what do you call it when you're standing next to somebody and the rain falls on them and it splashes on you? English does not have a word for it. How inadequate. It's not overflow, but you know when you get splashed on? So we get wet, not even drizzle. It's just bouncing off of you on me, right? That's what, we're, that's what healing does. If, if somebody is moving in a, this, 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 these people are swimming in the glory of God just by getting close. That's Peter's shadow, right? Just by getting close, you feel the drizzle, but we don't want that today. We want you diving in. We're about to get to the last wave to hit the earth, but today there is water in which you can swim. First round, first wave. You act like a swimmer. In fact, you could tread water pretty good. You could hold your own, but not for long. In fact, every conference you go lights you up for the rest of the year. But if you didn't get one a year, you probably wouldn't make it. Satan comes to you every fourth, you know, Sunday or so and says, you'll never change. Things will never be different for you. In fact, you are going to carry this to your grave. You're first. Come. Tonight, tonight, that's done. And come quickly because we're not even going to, I'm going to move to the second way. This is what God says. He says, if you're battling with the same doubt, today your miracle comes and as, a, as an indictment against doubt. You're not going to have to stop doubting. Doubt has to leave on the command of Almighty God. You're first. Come quickly. Whether it's healing, whatever it is, just come. We're going to pray in the first row. Come close because there's a second wave right after. I'm going to do it like he said it so that the prayer warriors can go from wave to wave to wave to wave. Father, in the name
the name of Jesus, according to your word. Doubt is leaving the room. It is leaving this line in the name of Jesus. And their faith, by faith, they are made whole in the name of Jesus. Every disease, every disease, every disease at the front of this altar, I command you on the authority of the word of God to run out of this building in the name of Jesus. Do not stop until you hit the streets. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Second wave. For those of you who have tasted of the Holy Spirit, in fact, you've been so overwhelmed by Him that you've been chasing that all your life. And you're saying, God, do it again, God. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. You're the next wave. God says, bring them. They got the scuba gear. But I'm about to say, I'm about to explode that tank. If that's you, run up as fast as you can. You're about to get an infusion. Can you bring them up closer so these can fit? Come quickly. You're not going to go from conference to conference anymore to get your infilling. You're going to be a walking, breathing, living. I said, a miracle, miracle, miracle house in the name of Jesus. There is healing moving in the atmosphere tonight. I see it. I see it moving in the atmosphere in the name of Jesus. If you just came up, if you just came up and you said, I felt the Lord, I felt his touch, I felt his glory, then I want you to pray in the spirit. Third wave. Third wave. I'm calling the warrior donors. Can you guys hear me? If you can hear me, wave to me. Okay. Because I'm having a little trouble hearing me. I'm calling those of you who know because God has already shown you that 2021, this year, before this year is over, that God's about to change the landscape a little bit. He's already given you signs. He's already shown you hints of what he's about to do. That means that he has given you a forewarning that you are made for this time. You were put on earth with purpose for this moment. And I don't want you to miss your moment. If that's you, you need to come as fast as you can get here. What God is doing is preparing you for what he's going to do tomorrow. But you can't get tomorrow if you don't get what he's given today.